What's up? Another day in the neighborhood. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. Everybody is Joey Buns, Colony Confidential. But we're going to touch on a bunch of stuff. Been a busy week already. I, I did network with a bunch of guys out in Long Island. And I think I hit some good contact, good group of guys. One guy is very connected in the healthcare spectrum. And we know some mutual people. So it was a real good connection. Every time I go to these things nowadays, I'm really looking at everybody's face and their body language. Everybody's just, I swear, happy to be out of their house. Yeah. Yeah, but it was good. It, it, it's it's like invite only. So I'm glad they invited me and they invited me back. Imagine that. So you went there last night? Yeah. Didn't we do a podcast last night? At night? Yeah. And so I remember when I told you at the end, I'm going to put my shoes on. I drew my shoes on and ran out the door. Oh, OK. Hey, when you were doing that, I went downstairs and started cooking chicken. <laughs> oh, that's late. Yeah, you know what? I eat when I'm hungry. Just getting back to yesterday, right? I get up every morning at the same time, between five and six, depending on the night before. But got up, did the morning routine, went to work for the day, came home, did the podcast, then ran out. I showered in between at some point. I don't know how I did it. Then went out to the networking thing, and I didn't get home till 1230. But those days, those are the days when you either... You come home and you're like, today was a good day. Or you wake up like, yesterday was a good day. Yeah. Yeah. You get a feeling. You get a feeling. Some of the things that happened. A great conversation with Pete from Insperity. And then I met four new contacts. We were just talking about getting back to normal. And I explained some of our networking events pre-COVID. And he was like, I'd love to come to any of those. And I'll, I'll bring some hospital people and healthcare people. Are we going to the Macanudo Club? The guy who hosted, who's a friend of the guy that's on the SUNYO Westbury board um, of trustees with me, he works for a school that we've been servicing since 2006. I've never met him. He's a dean of something, but but I don't know where I was going with this, so I just had an edgy moment. Wow. A little early. But it's just funny how, how things start to come together. So like now at that location... Not only do I have the contacts that we've had for, what is it, 15 years. Now I have this guy too as a feather in the cap for the, the account loves us, but just another higher person in there. Yeah. So it was good. Yesterday was a good day. Today's going to be a good one too. Yeah. All right. We've been talking about this whole HR series and team engagement series with Insperity, the episode with Jill Chapman. I hope everybody's already listened to it. Yeah. So we spoke with her colleague, Pete, and we're tying it all together. And with Jill, we spoke about keeping close with your team members and not only just them, but the people around them, which is part of what our virtual birthday party is going to be like. Hopefully some of the team members involve their families. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be you at home on a Zoom, a different platform, and you can have your family involved. And there's a bunch of stuff involved with it, but it speaks to what we, what we talked about with Jill, with team engagement, staying close with your team and including the people close to them. And you'll see in this whole series that's coming out, that would tie it all together between HR, team engagement, yesterday with Pete, the three anchors and the 10 strategies for really building your business and building your team. And just tying all that together, it's really what we've always been about in the podcast. 
just building your business the right way. Think about what we spoke about with Pete and where I was telling him, I wish I started doing this stuff when I started my business instead of having to play catch up with all the processes and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, you're different. When I started, all I wanted to do was make money. It was all me. And a, a good day, I remember came home on a Saturday and I had $125 in cash. Yeah. My rent was 120 a month. And had a nice store for 55 a month. Gas was 32 cents a gallon. 125 was a lot of money, baby. That's what we're all about here on the podcast and why we're trying to get it out there for people starting out to think of these things. Maybe an insperity is too much because you don't need all of that stuff for one guy. But you do need the other things. And as, as I was starting out, what I would have loved to have had in my head, I was like you. I wanted to make money because I need right. to go- you have to put food on the table and all of that. But I wish I would have at the very least started writing some of the processes. Like when I hired my first person, I would have, even if I didn't write it before I hired him, as I went through it, how to do it, going all the way back to 2003, 2004, technology was not as advanced as it is today, but you were able to search the internet I was able to get some questions. Obviously, I spoke with you. I came up with my own questions for an interview. But like I literally wrote them down on a notepad and then asked the person. I didn't have an application at the time. It was very, what'd you say, half-assed? No, I said yes. And and like a lot of times he was talking about if your people are happy, they'll recommend their friends and stuff. I got a couple of good people that way. And that's how I picked up a friend who he lives in New Jersey now. You know, that was a friend recommended him. I, I I did a favor. Yeah, I'll interview him. I didn't think I was going to hire him, but I did. And what Pete was talking about with that was when you build your company culture and you're developing your leaders and you, you're doing all the things, you're rewarding them, you're congratulating them. When you're following your culture, living your culture as the owner, the operator, and if you have management, when you're living your culture and you hire for your culture, your company, They will be so happy that if they're talking to a friend and their friend is, oh, I don't like my job, whatever, they'll be like, yo, you should come work here, man. It's great. And that happened with a couple of times at Colony, but look at the twins. Mike Mike worked for us. His brother was not necessarily happy where he was working. So he came on board. Recently, the guy, Mike Tesca, his friend with the tattoos. Yeah, the butcher. Yeah, no, he, was, did, he worked in a deli, right? Yeah, he did. He worked in something like that, like a, a grocery store type place at the deli counter. He, too, wasn't happy. And Mike told him, like, yo, I think we're hiring. You should come on board. And then so the flip side to that, too, is Mike is going to get money for bringing his friend in once his friend reaches. I think it's six months or four months. They get a thank you for recommending this team member. And then everybody gets happy. And then Mike's going to say, "Yo, I got X amount of dollars just for bringing my friend in who, who wanted a job. The other thing too, I know when I'd be traveling around, I could yeah, observe. When I'd be traveling? No, when, you know, going to different stops, accounts, I would see people that were working and I saw that they were very good workers and I got two really good guys that way. You're always looking to hire. You might not need anybody, but you always got somebody in, this guy looks good or... You go through interviews and stuff like that. Well, what we are talking about with all these processes, we'll just talk about a hiring process or a recruiting process. We have this process in place. 
our process is we put the ad out, people reply, you look at the resume, and there's key things that you're looking for in there. Stability, uh, is this person bouncing around all the time? Or, we spoke about it with Jill, are there gaps in their employment? Things of that nature. Then if we like somebody, there's a process that begins. Okay, here's six resumes. Let me get on a call or let me shoot them an email with the application. And again, during our conversation with Jill, we talked about it. It depends on where we're at in the hiring process or how deep our needs are. If we need somebody ASAP, we may speed up that process. And instead of sending an email, make the phone call. Okay, sounds good. Application. And you weed out, even though you've seen these resumes and the resume looks good, you weed out some of the people by putting them through this. So part of the process is weeding people out. We've had people go through the whole process, send an application and still not even show up for an interview, but they're doing us a favor by not, they're wasting our time a little bit, but not showing up. Thank you. We didn't even have to make a decision for you. You ever have that? And then they call you like a week later. Listen, you know why I showed up? I really, we hired somebody. Oh, I had, a, I had, uh, I had, yeah, you had a scheduled interview. We don't wait for you. And then they get mad at you like you did something wrong. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Or the people that are 15 minutes late or 20 minutes late and don't call and then can't believe that they didn't get the job. Great story. We, we had an interview. He was 10 minutes late for the interview. We still interviewed him, or I should say Chris interviewed him. He, he had lost his previous job because of tardiness, right? Being late, whatever. But when Chris spoke with him, he had a good explanation for it. What was it? I don't remember exactly, but Chris was like, I don't know. I would give him a shot. I said, okay. I said, tell him to meet us at the office at whatever on this day so I can meet him. Let me see. Whatever. So 15 minutes after he's supposed to be there, he calls Chris and says, the train's running late. And Chris was like, guy, I told you that you were coming to meet the owner of the company and we were going to discuss the fact that you lost your last job for being late. And now not only are you late, you're 15 minutes late right now and you just called me. You didn't know you were going to be late 17 minutes ago. So the kid was like, should, should I come? And I, Chris was like, nah, but we're just delusional. But the, yeah, he went back to bed. He went back to bed. Yeah. But the, the bottom line is implementing these processes helps you get the right people. And again, interviewing for your culture. And the, the biggest part of that is defining what you want your culture to be. If you're not sure, that's the first thing you should do right now is define what you want your company culture to be and take it from there. And then you got to eat, sleep and breathe it. Yes, you're right. What would you say your company culture was back in the 90s? company culture. You, you wanted to do a good job. You want these guys to do a good job and you wanted to have fun. You wanted to be, you wanted to have a few laughs along the way. Always, a lot of them come to me with their problems and everything. The culture was, it's a good place to be. You paid pretty well. You got health care and all of that stuff. An enjoyable place to be. And if it wasn't, then you obviously didn't stay. And it was always, I got a, a bunch of guys together like a core group, like seven guys. And a lot of times we go out, which you can't do now, go out drinking and having laughs. And then the gossip Monday, who, what somebody did on the weekend. And it was just a good time. So the definition of culture and business, I'll just give it to you from Indeed. 
Its business culture refers to the set of behavioral and procedural norms that can be observed within a company, which includes its policies, procedures, ethics, values, employee behaviors, and attitudes, goals, and code of conduct. It also makes up the personality of a company and defines the work environment, professional, casual, fast paced. So if you remember, like a lot of people, it also interesting stat here. It says, this is an Indeed survey, 46% of job seekers who considered a job but did not apply to it said they ultimately chose not to apply because they didn't feel it would be a good culture fit. For half of the people almost. The word culture was never around. No, I know, but you still had one. You did. Yeah, I did have it. We had policies in place. I don't remember what they were. No, but you had a culture, right? So a lot of people in an interview will ask, what's the company culture, a candidate? And we'll say it's a, it's a family business with a corporate feel and a corporate attitude. And then that's the short version, right? And then the long version is where we get into the core values, the four core values of the company, what they mean and what's expected. But you had a culture. Everybody had to do their job. Some of the core values that we put together are based off what I learned from you. So it wasn't necessarily on paper, but your guys knew what they had to do. They knew that it was a, that they had to be professional. They, they knew that they were going to have fun. They knew they could play golf with you on Sundays. The culture was very family oriented, but there were strict rules for your job and it, you'd have to be professional. You had it. It just wasn't, like you said, it wasn't a thing. All these new fancy words come out and people such as yourself are like, yeah, I did that. I just didn't call it culture or I, I didn't call it this. But the goal of all of this is for people that don't really know where to start is giving some ideas on how to start it. Another podcast that we will be coming out soon is the one with Audrey from EcoServe up in Buffalo. Yeah, that was nice. I always think when the snow is bad here, what are they doing up in Buffalo? I remember back in the day, there was this nurse that I knew. I never went out with her, but she was a lot of fun. She was from uh, Tonawanda, which is a suburb of Buffalo. <laughs> so, And she was talking about the snow up in Buffalo. And like we got 18 inches recently, right? And it was all... Oh, so they get, they get it, they measure it in feet up there. And uh, like, oh, shit. Yeah. So when we first merged all the associations, like 2012, 2013, I was very friendly with the general manager. Or I don't remember, was it general operations manager of Buffalo Exterminating, which is yeah. where Audrey's father worked, I think was a manager partner. But they got 11 feet of snow <laughs> during the first association meeting in Buffalo of the new merged entity. And I remember I was supposed to go and I was like, nah, I'm not going. And everyone got snowed in. Their flights got canceled like two or three days in a row and they rented a car and just drove back. But that Buffalo ride's about eight hours. Something like that. But I look, yeah. after, after three I, days and 11 feet of snow, I think I would do it too. I went up there with your mother and Eddie. Eddie was a baby. And it was a Saturday. It was a slow day, whatever. I got off work at two o'clock. Loaded up, I had this, what would be considered an SUV now. But then we drove eight hours up to Buffalo. And that's the first place her husband, Al, told me, uh, oh, they got this new thing here. They got these great chicken wings. And that's where the Buffalo wings came from. 
Not that they came because I was there, but they came from Buffalo. That's how they got the name. I got you. I can follow sometimes. Okay. So yeah, so it was a good, good episode with Audrey. And one of the final questions that I asked, or you might've asked, I don't remember, was what advice would she have for someone starting out? And she said something that you hear all the time. And every time you hear it, you're like, yes. She basically said, surround yourself with people smarter than you. And we talk about that all the time. And it's so true. She also talked about getting some kind of mentor. And if you're in pest management, if you're a member of NPMA, National Pest Management Association, they have a mentor program where you get matched up with somebody that's more advanced in business than you in pest management. That's a good deal. Now, things, things have changed dramatically. Let's say 53 years, yeah, since 1967 in the 70s, 80, things have changed. And even in the last 10 years, things have changed. And, and that's good. Things are evolving. And we're yeah. getting more respect. That pandemic, I'm very worried about. You go to Manhattan, you see all these stores are closed, empty and stuff like that. I don't want, I'm not going to get into politics, but other places, they did it a little differently. And um, their economy is not screwed up. Yeah, listen, I think we're going to come back. Oh, we will come back, but you're talking not in a year, you're talking in years. I do think that we're in for a new regime in the entire state, from the governor all the way down, definitely the governor, the mayor. Everyone that I speak to does not understand how this is happening and how it's working. Why Why was New York City restaurants shut down for so long, but they were never shut down in other parts of New York State? that had higher rates of COVID. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Why in Long Island can you open at 50% capacity in a restaurant, but New York, the five boroughs, is 25%? They, what, they, it doesn't make sense because the, you're doing an average of the people. So uh, it just doesn't make sense. When we closed on the refinance in Suffolk County, Restaurants were closed in New York City and they were open. And Suffolk County was like at an 8% rolling average of COVID mm. positive rates. And New York City at the time, they had just closed the five boroughs down, was like under 6%. So how, why? And if the mayor made the decision, that's different. But the governor made it. He governs the whole state. Why is Long Island allowed this and this is not allowed that? And if you're doing it off the numbers, and that's what doesn't make any sense. With all these businesses closing down, their revenue and the city revenue is going to be down dramatically. And these guys are talking about, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Like you say, it doesn't make any sense. And there's a new round of PPP coming out. There were some new things added to it. I'm not that well-versed in it. This is actually, I think, the third round. But this round is very good because previously, sole proprietors, small mom and pop operations didn't qualify because they didn't necessarily have a payroll. Because when you're a sole proprietor, you usually just take checks and you do your taxes differently. So the PPP originally was exactly what it says, paycheck protection program for what you paid your people. So now what they're doing is they're making it available to these smaller places and no one else for two weeks. So our friend Julius with the driver that has his own business, but it's only him. 
he really wasn't able to get any PPP. And now he can apply. These are the people that need the help. They took losses, right? You have to have a loss. And now you're going to get a stimulus to help you continue on. Somebody like Julius, one day may have tons of employees. I would think he will because of his drive and what he wants to do. But if this puts him under, he's under. Yeah. A lot of home service businesses were affected by this because maybe they were startups or maybe it was like, I'm just thinking of one in pest control that I saw a story about them. They actually got a stimulus from Barstool Sports from that whole thing that they're doing with helping small businesses. But it was a father and a son. They had a pest control business and predominantly did restaurants in Manhattan. So they got devastated by this and they weren't eligible for PPP because father, son, they didn't have payroll. So now they got the Barstool money, which is awesome. That guy is doing a great job raising money and then giving it to people in need, but small businesses. But now these people can take advantage of the PPP. All small home service business, you think about it, the pool guy who's maybe a one-man show or any family business that isn't necessarily have paychecks. It, it wasn't an easy formula. and Never is when you're dealing with the government. The benefit of having an insperity on your team, I didn't really have to do anything but click three buttons. <laughs> Literally, I clicked two buttons on the dashboard and then attached it to the PPP loan, the actual form you had to fill out. And then all I had to do was plug numbers in. What's your payroll? What's this? What's that? But I already had it because they had created the exact parameters for getting the loan. So they already had it on the back end. Yeah. They had all of the parameters that the Small Business Administration put out for the loan already plugged in, tied into your payroll. So when I clicked those two buttons of what I wanted to do, it created an Excel spreadsheet every single thing that the SBA wanted. And when I went to get my forgiveness a month ago, it was almost exactly the same. Like I opened up the spreadsheet, I plugged in all the numbers, and then I attached the spreadsheet to it. And the whole thing was forgiven, thankfully. Let's talk about something else. Inflation. Yeah. Could be a problem, could be a blessing. People will understand you're raising prices with inflation. But uh, it's something you got to manage. And something you need to think about because it's coming. You can't print all of this paper, which we call money, and not think there's going to be inflation. The problem with inflation is everyone's going to feel it. After this pandemic, it's difficult to raise prices, depending on the market. Certainly to a restaurant, it's a difficult decision. But I mean, it's it's already happened. It's already happened. I went out uh, Saturday night to a restaurant had basically the same meal that used to cost $85 was $100. That may not have anything to do with the pandemic because remember, minimum wage in New York City, including wait staff, is now $15. So in the past, I think the minimum wage for wait staff was maybe five. Good point. Yes. Yeah. And I think... This $15 an hour is going, to be, is going to be upsetting, but eventually it'll come around. When I started work, it was a dollar and a quarter. <laughs> the minimum wage is affecting business owners and consumers in various ways. But pre-pandemic, we were noticing in higher-end restaurants, on the menu, it said something like, we pay our staff blah, blah, blah wage 
and tips are not allowed. When you swipe a credit card, usually there's the space for a tip and they no longer had that. So if you were using plastic, you weren't even able to tip if you wanted to. Yeah, fine. But there's also dollars. I'm just saying this is part of what they're doing because they have to pay staff this wage and maybe they're paying them more. They're telling the patrons, you don't have to tip. And maybe their prices went up to accommodate all that stuff. But you also, you're not factoring in a 20% tip anymore. Okay. So if they were able to raise their prices 15% on average. You still tip. At least I do. You do it well if you have cash on you in that circumstance, yes. But if you don't, even now, I never go out of the house without cash. I know I'm not going to use it, but it's in my pocket. Do you go out of the house without oh. cash in your pocket? No. But there are people that do. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I've been out with people that didn't have five bucks on them. <laughs> Literally, they have yes. money. They just have plastic. They got their debit card, the credit card, whatever. Oh, oh, no. I've been out with people who didn't have money, didn't have credit cards. You quickly learn not to go out with them again. Some of them were such a good time, you did go out with them. It wasn't like they didn't have money all the time, but... No, I know. Frequently. So, spring is in the air. Where are the crocuses? They're under the snow. Yeah, but we got some rain, which helped with that. Anyway, the whole point of me saying spring is in the air and spring is coming is what to expect out there as a home service provider and certainly as pest control, pest management professional, what should we expect? So uh, the world begins to open back up. What does that mean combined with spring, combined with all of this snow and rain that we're getting? What does that mean for us with pests? What does that mean for other home services? Uh, a friend of ours had a roof issue the other day. So that's also part of it with the weather and with the spring coming, with the rain, we're going to start to see leaks and roofs. You're going to start to see pests springing up. So let's talk to the consumers out there, what to expect for, for the spring, right? With all the weather and rain, you want to, if you don't have a pest management professional and you're in the New York City area, give us a call, 866-COLONY-3. The point is, as a homeowner, what to look for as we get into spring, you want to go around your house and make sure, go around the exterior of your home first, make sure you don't have wood piles up against your house because that creates the perfect environment for pests. You wanna get any, if there's any leaf litter around, you wanna rake that up, any kind of stagnant water, you always wanna maintain that, certainly going into mosquito season, make sure you don't have an old tire back there. Or I remember at Peg's house, she had the tire swing that we always had to, empty out or I would treat it. She had all of these things for the dogs that would get water in them. But basically going around your house and looking for conducive conditions and eliminating them to help in the fight against the pests. If you have a tree stump in your backyard, you would want to get it removed properly so that you don't attract uh, wood destroying insects like carpenter ants or even termites. The spring is going to bring pests. And there are things like we just discussed that you could do around your home to help eliminate them or not have your house be such a attractive place to come and hang out. Two things, the garbage cans. You should drill holes in the bottom of the garbage cans. Water can drain. And one thing that people, including myself, overlook, don't do it on a regular basis. You got to go up and clean out the gutters up you know, on the house there because a lot of silt builds up and uh 
great breeding place for a number of insects. I would also check when you're cleaning the gutters, check the fascia board that they're attached to, see if squirrels have been gnawing on it. Maybe you want to cover that up with some, uh, again, aluminum. There is aluminum siding out there still, even though everybody's doing vinyl, but that was an easy patch. So those are two things that certainly are breeding areas for them. And even though you probably raked all the leaves in the fall, there's more leaves. Get them leaves away and pick them up and you know, tidy up the yard. So now this, these recommendations go for homeowners, the consumer, but also PMPs. If you have a quarterly program or whatever type of pest program. Yes, it's another way to make money. Yeah, you should be in not only making money, but depending on what your program is, like you want to make sure that your team members are looking for this stuff too. If you're service, if you're servicing my house, maybe I didn't do this yet, but part of your report to the homeowner could be, hey, we were on your property and we noticed a couple of things. Just keep an eye on them because they could breed this and breed that and maybe. I don't think you want to do things without their permission, but no. you, could, you could say, we noticed your fascia board is open. We could come and patch that if you're doing that service or make a recommendation. If you don't know somebody, we know a roofer that could do it, or if you, we could do it, but you want your team when they're out doing that quarterly service, you want to train them to walk the perimeter, look high and low. If there's a backyard, walk the entire yard to check for conditions conducive to pests and then provide that report to the homeowner and if you do any of those add-on services say we offer a service for this and that if you want to know more about it let us know because a lot of times when you own a house and you're working full-time it's it goes back to that thing do you want to spend time to save money or do you want to spend money to save time? Yeah, exactly. And you usually spend money to save time. Because we spoke about this in the past and that's one of the number one things, differentiating successful people and unsuccessful people. Okay. So it's good to know sometimes when we have these conversations that even though we didn't know all this stuff previously and we weren't educated on it, we were already doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a process for it. Because it was all in our head. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I did that for years. And then I think we started with getting stuff on paper. I already had seven, eight employees. It would have been easier to start putting it down earlier. That's all. At the end, what did you have? 25 techs? I had sold off some stuff at the end. Before I sold, it was like 15, 16 guys. But at the peak, I had 22. But then you start looking at stuff and you're saying, we're making money, but we're not making the money we're making here. And, you know, we tried to upgrade it. People were so ingrained to some of these companies we bought that it wasn't happening. Or if you could, it would be very minimal. So you built it up. But one of the things I remember that when I sold off these routes, one of the reasons they became more profitable because we got into the zip code stuff. And we told people like, yeah, oh, I have to be done on this day. I go, then you got to get somebody else. We're going to raise the price. And I would say 99% of the time, okay, I can be done that day. It's just that they had gotten into a situation where they controlled the customer. Now, they controlled the exterminator. Afraid to lose the business, working his butt off. And anyway, when I got into the 
the zip code thing. It was less traveling and stuff like that. And but they just we just weren't just wasn't worth the time we were putting in for the money we were making. So I sold some of it or some routes off and it worked out better. It was less stress and stuff like that. And I'd been ramping up and then said, fuck it. <laughs> Excuse me. I said, this is just too good to turn down. And my kids weren't going to take over. Wah. And best thing that ever happened. I think so. Cause it made you your own man. And yeah, I think it was, a, you look at the big picture it was definitely a good hundred percent. You were able to sail off into the sunset. You didn't sail far enough off, but that's fine. And yeah, I was able to, you know, this was not the original plan for me. That's why you sold. Yeah. You got your college job. <laughs> but anyway, just to recap, a lot going on. Great. The uh, Insperity series is out talking about our teams and how to make everything and everyone better. Listen to the Jill Chapman episode out now. Uh, a couple more down the road. We interviewed Audrey Hall from EcoServe. That episode will be coming out uh, in the coming weeks. And spring is in the air, so get ready. Consumers and home service businesses, get ready for what spring brings and what it means to your business. Yeah, get ready. Grease up those. How's the termite season this year? It started already in a couple of places. There's, people have gotten swarming. So I think so once... This whole thawing happens, thawing yeah. of the ground. I think it, they're going to start to shoot out in the next at least two, two to three weeks. Once this all snow goes away, I think you'll start to see them. Okay, that's encouraging. But so my point was grease up those pumps, check those drills, just basically get your act together. Yeah, termites are in the air with spring as well. Termites are in the air. Time in Brooklyn. Yeah. Those little bastards are chewing the shit out of your house. Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. Thanks for tuning in. Gave us some good tips today, especially for homeowners and, and for PMPs. So listen carefully. We had a few laughs. And Mr. and Mrs. America, till we meet again, God bless you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.